back to Great Quarter Guys, the show where the lines between freight, finance, and tech are none. I'm your host, Andrew Cox, Senior Retail Analyst here at Freight Waves. I'm alongside lead economist Anthony Smith once again today. We are guestless today, so we're running this full show, just Anthony and I, and we have got a bunch of hard-hitting questions that we are going to try to answer for you today. Uh, first one being an article that our own CEO, Craig Fuller, wrote last week. He said, will high freight rates cause hyperinflation? We're going to dive down into that question and kind of understand that it's a big question that we're getting here at Freightways from all, all the time, especially from people outside of the industry. They see CNBC and Bloomberg and everyone else saying, ocean rates are $15,000 a container. That means your, your consumer goods are going to go up by X. So we're going to distill that a little bit, try to understand what the actual impact is going to be um, of, of these rising transportation costs on consumer goods. We're also going to try to answer the question. This one was written by uh, Eric Kulish or I'm sorry, Greg Miller, as will supply chain chaos and sky-high costs last until 2023. So we've been moving these goalposts back a little bit further uh, every four months or so, especially on the ocean side of things, trying to time this top. These predictions have been very, very difficult and very wrong uh, to begin with. So we'll, we'll see what the, what the predictions are right now, give our own uh, insight into what we see happening coming into 2022 as well. All right, let me take a moment to thank my sponsor, DDC. This episode is brought to you by DDC FPO. DDC is a business process outsourcing provider that specializes in freight. Discover why today's top-rated LTL carriers rely on DDC FPO. Learn more at ddcfpo.com. Again, that's ddcfpo.com. I did want to give a shout-out to last week's episode. We had Emerged CFO uh, Brad Blomstrom on last week, and I just wanted to just say, go back and watch the episode. I thought his conversation was great. Emerged is doing a, a great things. They... They just raised a boatload of money, about 130 million, um, and they uh, have just, you know, uh, attracted a very, a very great president that we love from Freightwave. So they're going to be doing great things. They've got a lot of money, a lot of big things uh, ahead of them. So just give a shout out to Brad and uh, and the team over at Emerge. All right, we've got two charts of the day for you today. I will hop into my first one. This one is on used truck prices. We're trying to discuss how long this capacity crunch might last. How long are we going to see? I heard somebody say it well the other day. Uh, They just said, we define peak season as a time when demand outpaces supply. It says, by definition, we've been there for about 16 months now. And like, when are we going to get over that? When is we going to see some equilibrium between supply and demand? We know demand is going to be strong into next year. Consumer goods demand remains strong. Inventories are really low. Manufacturing, housing, all of these are, are, are blossoming right now, these industries. So what do we have in, on the capacity side? When can we get some capacity into this industry? More enough, that is, to, to catch up and kind of stabilize this market. Well, it doesn't seem anytime soon. So these are our used truck prices available in Sonar. The green line is three-year used truck prices. Uh, I, I'm sorry. The uh, blue line is three-year, green line four-year, and orange line five-year. You can see they've all surged off the bottom uh, in May or June of last year and are now up 50% year over year. So used truck prices have increased 50% for three-year-old models over the past 12 months. Uh, and with larger fleets struggling to recruit new drivers, we've seen that apparent in their driving signing bonuses and their uh, raising wages. We know that they're having trouble seating all their trucks. But there are also a lot of cost barriers on the smaller fleets, the smaller guys that want to get into this market. Paying 58000 for a truck last year, that seemed okay. Paying yeah. ninety now, it's a big difference. Huge difference. And just as you mentioned, those smaller fleets, but the owner ops as well. If you want to be an owner op, you're thinking about it, maybe this, this will be the year where I kind of been a fleet driver for a while. I'm going to do my own thing for a little bit. There's a barrier here because now when I was talking to Donnie Gilbert, we're looking at those brand new trucks that a lot of the large fleets are getting. They're getting those trucks that are around those ninety dollars to $105,000 marks. 
you're kind of inching toward there for those three-year used right. truck prices. And that's going to be a huge barrier to entry to some of those uh, looking to go into the owner-op route. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can get a nice three-year truck right now. It's going to cost you almost as much as a low-end uh, brand-new truck. Yeah. And it's it's this thing that some um, Bill actually asked me, Bill Priestley just asked me yesterday. He said, what, what has surprised you about this whole just... Like the whole supply chain, has there been anything yeah. surprised you? It took, it took me a second to answer it. But I think my one thing that has been not surprising, but just like crazy to watch is we know how undisciplined this industry is with CapEx. I mean, as soon as the times are good, carriers start spending, they, try, they start trying to recruit, trying to grow their fleets, make hay while the sun shines. But that just hasn't been able to be done right now because we've had the supply chain of the supply chain breakdown, yeah. or we've had the OEMs, they've had the same labor issues that everybody else is dealing with. They've had the same raw material costs surging as everyone else. They've had production issues. So it's like we saw the orders come plummeting down in the summer, but it wasn't because of normal times when just the orders and production slows in the summer. It was simply because of delays. I mean, we've heard we've heard reports of thousands of trucks just sitting, waiting for the chip, just the last piece to kind of implement there. Um, but it's just, it's amazing to me that, it, to my answer to Bill was, like the, the, what's been crazy to me is how we haven't been able to just get out of our own way. There hasn't been the one part of the supply chain to keep working to add capacity into this market, which would speed up everything else. Like, it's this one piece, the OEM supply chain and getting drivers as well. That's, that's really yeah, a big yeah. thing. But um, yeah, that, that's been a little bit crazy to me. So used truck prices, the whole point here is that it might be a while before we see capacity really into this market in any meaningful way because of the cost barriers right now, not only on used truck prices, but insurance costs as well. I mean, the OR, this is the best freight market we've seen in a long time. The TCA OR is still only 93. So that's seven cents on every dollar that you're bringing in. That's before interest and taxes. So yeah. not exactly great times in any case. That's significant. And I mean, one of the big things from that example is really when I hear the phrase or the term, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. It's never really meant that much to me. <laughs> but when you see all these trucks sitting in the lot waiting for that one trip or that chip, that example that you uh, called out um, a, a few weeks back, maybe a month ago, about Tesla, how yeah. they were waiting for that one piece. Yeah, on the on the, on the seat belt. Yes. <laughs> they are waiting on 10,000 pieces on the seat belt. They had all these cars finished. They just were waiting on one seat belt piece. It's never meant as much as it did when we actually see it in real time happening, where it's like all these things are ready to go. But that one thing is holding the entire process back. Yeah, I think the quote from Elon was, your supply chain is only as fast as your slowest moving part. I yeah. thought that was just like really well said, especially for the time of uh, the time being. All right, do you have a chart of the day? Today? I do. So looking at my chart of the day, I am pulling from the ISM PMI. So the ISM PMI has different components within their breakouts. So this one I'm pulling out is going to be customer inventories. This is one I don't really look at or call to very often, but it's incredible. So this... Of course, the ISM PMI, the entire thing is based around the number 50. So anything below 50, indicative of contraction. Anything above 50, indicative of expansion as it pertains to manufacturing. So looking at customers' inventories, seeing a reading of 31.7, showing that inventories are too low. Mm -hmm. And so that number is one thing, but the month trend. So one of the big things that we have to kind of look at is what's happened before this, the, the, the disruption of COVID-19 and what it's really exposed. And this is going to be one of those areas that exposed. So this has been happening. This has been in the trend for too low for 60 months. So before COVID, this was a problem. And after COVID, it's a significant problem. And so this, those things that's been happening within the supply chain that was already an issue beforehand, it's an even bigger issue now. And this is one of those areas that I really want to kind of call to or kind of shine some light on. Consume, uh, customer inventories, far too low. And it's only getting, I think, worse and worse as the months go on. And 
the, the 60 month trend is something extraordinary. The only other trend that's longer than that out of their list of, I think, 10 or so is going to be supplier deliveries, which is at 67%. And that is expanding. Um, but it is going on and on and on. And I think this is going to be an interesting one. So is this, you know, is this kind of a function of, um, think back to the early days of the pandemic. And we were, all, we were often talking about consumer companies back then. So we, we are talking about the manufacturing sector here. But it's that idea of just in case versus just in time. We had like the whole idea of supply chain management was so focused on Lean Six Sigma, making sure that we keep it as lean as we possibly can. I mean, just look, the peak prior to uh, the beginning of the pandemic, it was still just under 50. So I yeah. guess that's your point of 60 straight months of under 50% or in contractionary territory. I mean, do you, do you think that like, if there's anything that's going to change them, change their manufacturing um, their, their strategies, do you yeah. think this is it? Like, this has to be it. And so that's the big thing. And so one of the calls that I had for um, my upcoming webinar with uh, Zach Strickland was just that, just in time versus just in case. And so before just in time was like kind of these hard and fast rules of, you need X amount at this, you know, in this department or an X amount in this department. And there needs to be a philosophy now. It has to be a lot more fluid. It has to really be a lot more variables in, in, in place because if it's just going to be just in case scenarios, you're going to really be kind of spinning your wheels on stockpiling on potentially the wrong things. And so there's going to be a lot more customization. There's going to have to be a lot more tailoring to your specific needs as opposed to just stockpiling on things just in case there's a shortage here or there. There has to be an entire philosophy and really, a, I think, a, a revamp for that just-in-time uh, thought process. Yeah, I mean, this was where data comes into play. Right? Exactly. You have to have the data. You have to understand where your stuff is at all time, how much you're expected to make, what your projections are. And this really just gets into the conversation about digital twins. And all of that is just based on having the correct data uh, for, your, for your business. Okay, I got one a top story for you. It is our congestion check. We've been doing this every Tuesday. Port of LA, just kind of give you an update on what that port looks like, that San Pedro Bay. This is as of yesterday, 146 total ships in port, includes 84 at anchor and 62 at berth. Of the 146, 92 are container ships, including 62 at anchor uh, and 30 at berth. So that's down a little bit. We're making a little bit of progress here. I think the, the third shift they're working out there in the Port of LA is doing a little. Uh, two weeks ago, we were at 70 ships. We were at about 68 last week. So 62 this week, some progress. I haven't looked at the average size of those ships. It could be some of the bigger ones still out there. And so that we haven't really made that big of an impact on the TEUs that are uh, at drift, but uh, total ships making a little progress there. All right, Anthony, buy or sell. I've got one for you. We haven't done this in a couple of weeks. And I saw this on Twitter yesterday, the CEO of Ship Hero. If you haven't heard of Ship Hero, there are a uh, warehouse fulfillment software as well as they own some warehouses or, or at least contract out some warehouses. So if you are an e-commerce shipper, you can outsource your uh, warehousing and fulfillment to them as well. So they said that the CEO on Twitter yesterday said that from noon to 6 p.m. Eastern yesterday, that's roughly the same time as the Facebook and Instagram outage, non-Amazon e-commerce sales were down 27% over the previous four Mondays. The full day number from 8 p.m. Sunday to 8 p.m. yesterday, Monday, sales were down 13% over the previous four Mondays. So it's a really small sample size. Ship Hero has about 1% of the market that is non-Amazon orders. So again, it's a really small percentage of the industry. But what do you make of that? You buy or sell that, e that it could have that big of an impact on e-commerce sales, 27%? So I want to make sure I understand this correctly. So they're saying that um, during that outage, there was less shopping online. Way less. Yeah. Okay. Non-Amazon shopping. Right? Okay, gotcha. So interesting. So I was thinking, so anecdotal evidence, I got a kind of call to a Twitter post that okay. my girlfriend showed me. <laughs> and it was, 
all the Instagram people coming over to Twitter when they haven't been here for so long. And so calling to that, I was interested in, in seeing this number because I would have thought, hey, Facebook's down, Instagram's down. Let me go what online. What else are they going to do? Yeah, what am I going to do? So I, I'm surprised to see that this was the, the route that is saying that it took. So I'm going to say so. Because in my it. mind, I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to look for alternatives on, on what else yeah, I what can do Yeah, what am I going to do with my time? Yeah. Right. I, do, I, I would get that. That's actually a good point. But the, the one point I'll make is Instagram is the only app that I allow to track my, uh, track my usage and stuff. Right. I decline all the other ones because Instagram, I've found, that does the best job of tailoring stuff for me. Yeah. I mean, they, they have me. Yeah. I mean, everything yeah. I see on there, I, have, I click, I go save it for later. I'm like, yeah, when I have some money... I'll buy that down the road. Yeah. And they know exactly what I want. So I think there's, there's two points that I'll make here. I don't know if I'm buying or selling yet. But one, if it is, if I am buying, this shows you, or at least kind of is a function of the importance of Facebook and Instagram to retail, to e-commerce. I mean, I do most of my clothing shopping, to, particularly for clothing mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram. And also for small businesses that, that they pretty much leverage Facebook and Instagram for most or all of their advertising spend. So for those people, I mean, the importance of Facebook and Instagram is huge. I, we, should, we should honestly get a few um, retailers that sell mostly through Insta and have them on and see how their Monday went. Right. Um, but also, back to those ads. I think, you know, how, we've, how, how uh, Apple and Google as well have tried to step up their game on tracking, tried to step up their data protection game. We got to talk about like the macro impact here of less relevant ads because <laughs> if if these data is, if this data is true, then we're they're really good at, yeah. at advertising to us, and we bite often, and we spend a lot on those on those platforms. So I don't know. There's there's discussions there about how important relevant ads are to us, and how important our data safety is, and also just the importance and reliance on Instagram, Facebook for small businesses, particularly clothing. It's 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 important. That's a good call, especially with small businesses for sure. All right, let's move on to you care or not. We've got several here today before we hop into our discussions. Anthony, Amazon, Black Friday, first of October. You care or not? So I'm I'm sure we're gonna probably talk to some of this and and a little bit later on in the show, but um, I'm gonna say it's hard. I'm gonna say that I Are you are you shopping for anything? Are you are you I got. I'm starting to run out of things to buy, and I'm starting to run out of things to buy. And now I'm starting to make foolish decisions. I got to be honest with you. And 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 this is just kind of throwing more deals in my face. Right. I'm going to make a lot more foolish decisions here. And so I'm going to say I care. And and obviously the rest of the U.S. population, their savings rate barely ticked down from 10 to like nine point something. So still a lot more cash out there. But really, the thing that I'm looking at is. Are there going to be fewer deals? Are there going to be soft deals? Because now we can really get away with charging what people like. Companies can charge what they want mm-hmm. because inflationary prices pressure is coming through, of course. But the limited inventory, they can charge it up because consumers have not been deterred at all. So I'm going to say I care, but really, what else are, are people? They're going to find something to buy. I'm going to find something oh, yeah. foolish to buy. I'm sure I will too. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned just the inflationary pressure and kind of lack of inventory because we're going to talk about that uh, in two different segments. We actually probably won't have time for the Costco, Nike, and FedEx. They're all warning that there's more inflation ahead. Yeah. They've cited supply chain bottlenecks and such. But as we're going to talk about in uh, when we discuss Craig's article, 
it's not so much the sky high freight rates that are that will cause inflation. It is the lack of inventory. It's the congestion. It is them having generally strong demand and having very little inventory and having absolutely no need to discount. That's yeah. where we're going to see fewer deals. So I actually kind of agree with you. I think uh, we uh, we probably just see lesser deals. We'll, we'll see more of them, but it'll be five percent off here. Yeah. You ever do you ever go uh, shop? You know, for tax free weekend when you were a kid, we'd like get my mom would get so excited for tax. I would get so excited for tax free weekend. I'd go to get my calculator for the year. Yes. And we'd go to get the calculator, and it is. $30 more on tax-free weekend than it was the previous weekend. Yeah. I mean, they know what they're doing. Exactly. So I can see a little bit of that playing out here. Um, but last thing I'll say about uh, Prime Day, they are about Amazon, is they're comping against Prime Day last year. Remember, they held Prime Day October 13th and 14th last year. That was a big sales boost. They have investors, including me, to <laughs> to report to. So uh, they got to comp against that. So they got to yeah. boost sales somehow. Okay, speaking of Amazon, Whole Foods has dropped its free delivery for Prime members. Okay, this is actually a pretty good uh, deal for Prime members. You get free delivery from Whole Foods. That is stopping October 25th. And they are replacing it with a $10 fee, which I believe is industry leading as highest I've seen. I think even like Instacart and DoorDash, they start at like $6. So this is a pretty pretty big fee. What do you think? you care or not? Um, nah, I think only because I'm not too much of a grocery delivery kind of person. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's a strategic price point there. $10 seems like it's like they don't want you. I agree. I think like when I saw the thing, I, I thought, okay, one, this is probably gonna have very minimal impact on them, especially for prime membership. I don't think anybody's getting their prime memberships. They got free Whole Foods delivery, to be honest. But then two, the ones that are Amazon prime members and also shop at Whole Foods, they shop at Whole Foods. They're yeah. probably not going to care to pay $10 extra to get their stuff delivered. I, they're already paying $4 for an avocado. So yeah. Like, I think that, like there is a point there. They didn't make it $5 to try to split the market. They made it $10. They say, yo, if you really want delivery, then you have no problem paying the $10. Exactly. That's what it kind of feels like to Elasticity me. Elasticity definitely hits different. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess a couple points. I do care about this one because I've just been, I've been covering the space and, and covering Amazon. But, I mean, Britton Ladd, I had him on um, Point of Sale a couple weeks ago. He is a micro-fulfillment and grocery, like fast grocery delivery expert. He's done some research that estimates that every grocery retailer that does an online order. On average, they lose seven between 7 and $15 per order. And that can go up to $25 per order if they're doing delivery. So, I mean, even for Amazon, even the company that has the best fulfillment in the entire world, there are costs for this delivery. And they can't keep eating them over and over again. But I think the, I think the margin, I think the impact is going to be marginal on Prime. Uh, but there's a lot of other options for people that are seeking grocery delivery. I think that uh, other companies will take advantage of this, especially Instacart, DoorDash, etc. All right, uh, let's do let's do one more here. Uh, so you want to talk about the LMI? We have the latest reading of Logistics Managers Index. It showed capacity component fell again, 330 basis points, down to uh, 37.2% in the month of August. Transportation capacity has been in the 30% range. This is similar to uh, the PMI, which Anthony discussed earlier, having a 50% kind of um, band range. Anything below there is contraction. Anything above is expansion. It has been in the 30% range, which is significant contraction for 12 of the last 14 months. Yeah. And so real quick, I got to, the the great professor, Zach Rogers, we're going to have to get him on here again soon on the FreightWaves TV. But one of the messages that he had was that aggregate logistics costs are at their all-time highest level in the history of indexing. He said, it's funny because costs are higher than they've ever been, but inventory level is actually below average due to higher consumer demand. And the troubles people are having with the slow delivery. So that's really being the aspect right now is that the costs are higher, but inventories are down, you know, low. And this is downstream. So 
it's happening upstream, downstream. It's happening throughout the entire economic cycle or the entire supply chain. Yeah, the supply chain and the supply chain yeah. is, is faltering. That's a really good segue. So we'll, we'll skip our last couple uh, Ucara Nas because we've only got about five minutes. We're, we're running up on time. But let's discuss Craig's article here because it's actually a perfect segue away from uh, Zach's, Zach Rogers' discussion there. He questioned, will freight rates, uh, will high freight rates cause hyperinflation? So here's some, some data for you. Transportation costs are up approximately 20% over 2019. So it's only really natural to ask when these costs will start to drive inflation. And the short answer, as Craig says, is no time soon. The reality is that transportation remains a really a relatively small cost on the entire item. So uh, in 2019, domestic logistics represented about 8% of GDP. And that's down from 11% in 1980. And that's everything. That is trucking, shipping, rail, ocean, warehousing, distribution, everything in there, still only 8% of GDP. So if we saw transportation costs double, consumers would probably still see less of that, don't you think? Because yeah. there's so much markup for advertising, marketing, everything else that's in there that they could absorb a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that cost, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I think this is a great point here because um, one of the other things that he talked about was, you know, an entire container full of Nike shoes. That cost is going to be dispersed throughout that entire container. And so I think that's an excellent call out there. Yeah, there's a, I think um, it was Steve uh, Ferreira who talked, this was several months ago, we were talking about this exact topic on what kind of, like, where would we start to see inflation? And he made a good point about it's actually the cheapest cost that you'll see the most, you know, the biggest uh, relative inflation here. He made a point of the, you know, the free, um, the free plastic bags that you put your fruit and veg in at the, at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. He's like, you could probably put 10 million of these things on uh, in, a, in a container and the whole container's value would be like, Four thousand yeah. dollars, but we like two years ago we were shipping it for fifteen hundred. Now we're shipping it for fifteen thousand. It's like so relatively the percentage cost change on those things are way bigger. But yeah, a shipload or a shipment of of Nike shoes that are two hundred dollars a box, we're talking about pennies on the dollar uh, of rising costs here. Um, but the the big point here is before we wrap up is more concerning on the inflation front is not having the goods. I've been saying this for a long time. We said this back at Prime Day this summer and in Christmas season last year. You're dealing with generally strong demand and you're dealing with low inventories. And these consumer brands have no reason to discount like they normally do right now. So scarcity is what's driving the prices higher right now. And we saw this last year with the toilet papers and the masks and everything else. And we're seeing it again this year with toys and electronics and, and food, honestly. Uh, so the biggest issue right now driving inflation is the lack of supply, not the transportation cost of moving products from manufacturers to consumers. So if you are worried about inflation, ignore the freight rates and focus on the shelves. If you start to find products in short supply, then you can bet your butt the market will raise prices. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of quick uh, kind of correlation here. So I saw Daniel Tosh, very somewhat controversial comedian. And <laughs> one of his takes was like, I don't care about offending my audience because I can do to like lose half of them. And so half of them will leave and great, make room for the other half. That's how I kind of see this inflationary pressures right now with some of these products. Oh, you're getting priced out of these, these, uh, you know, these items. Fine. Someone else is going to buy them. And so I think that demand is just so high that you can really start charging what you want. And I think it's only going to take one really major significant manufacturer or um, producer of a certain good to start, it, start to charge an outlandish number before I think the rest of the market or the rest of the outlets start to kind of follow that suit as well. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. The one article that I was going to bring up for uh, You Care or Not, which is Nike, Costco, and uh, FedEx, we're talking about higher prices. Um, basically, throughout, the CFO Richard Galanti said that, you know, we're, we pass on as much as we can because consumers are just eating it right yeah. now. Like, as you said, with the savings rate, it ticked down a little bit. We're still looking at a savings rate that's double uh, or <laughs> nearly double what it was for the past five years. Yeah. So consumers still have a lot of cash. 
still got another two and a half months or three months of the child tax credits to come in as well. So uh, there, there'll be money uh, in consumer pockets. Okay, the last conversation, we'll try to get this in in the last 30 seconds here, but uh, will supply chain chaos and sky-high freight costs last until 2023? This is the big question now, right? As I said earlier, timing the top predictions have slid from, remember remember we were saying it was going to be golden week uh, 2020, which was you know towards the end, October, November last year. Well, then it was year end 2022, and then it was Chinese New Year 2021, and then it was mid-year 2021, and now it's, <laughs> then it was year end 2021, and now we're pushed at least until mid way through 2023. Yeah. There's a lot of analysts saying that uh, that carrier, that ocean carrier, um, ocean carrier profits are going to be even higher in 2022 than they were in 2021. Uh, we're looking at, again, everything that we've laid out today with the used truck prices, um, with inability to seat trucks. There are many capacity constraints right now and also many drivers of demand that should last. I mean, <laughs> I got a feeling we're going to get over the hump here in Christmas and then we're going to be moving the goalposts once again towards the end of the year. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, that's all we had. So we're out of time. But that's been it for episode 87 of Great Quarter, guys. We'll be back next week at 3 p.m. Eastern right here. Great Waves TV. See you then.